Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So excited to share the word here with you this morning. Oh my goodness, you know what? I, it is a challenge for me sometimes to pull together a title. It's, the message isn't the problem, but the title. I, you don't have time this morning for me to give you all the titles. I was so stumped with a title for this morning's message that I actually got together with some of my team members and uh, we shot off about 75 different titles for you. So I don't have time to go through that or we wouldn't have time for the word. As a matter of fact, I realized this morning that the one that I finally submitted that was, that's on the screen before you right now is not even the right title. Because as I was conferring, we finally came up with, we said, through whose eyes? And the idea is asking a question, through whose eyes are we viewing this world? Like, are, are we seeing things the way that God sees things? Are we seeing things through the, the lens of a worldview that is shaded and clouded by all manner of inputs? Or are we actually viewing things the way that God does? And then I thought, you know what, that's not really necessarily true. And then, you know, just the way the Lord works in my life is like, he speaks to me in the shower or the lawnmower. And, and as I was prepping this morning to get here, I realized that the, the real title of this message today is subject to what? Because as you behold this life around you and you assess what's going on in the world, the thoughts that you have, the worldview that you form, and the, and the way that you process the information is going to be subject to something. It's going to be subject to your thoughts, your emotion, your own intellect. It's going to be subject to the advice that you've received from some other place, some external source. Or it's going to be subject to the truth of God's word and that will be the determinant in how we view the world around us. So if you've got a pen, pencil with you, if you're taking notes, I want you to scratch out that and just put in subject to what? It's the same thing, it just says it a little different. But I want to I just challenge you here this morning. We're going to go a little deeper, and I'm not necessarily preaching at you this morning, but I am coming to you just to challenge some thought processes and, and just the way that we look at the world around us. And I want to invite you into an objective thought process and pattern this morning because rather than, rather than our thoughts just running all over the place subject to anything and everything, it needs to be on something more concrete. Like absolute truths you know you know the argument for people that say there really are no absolute truths in the world and you say well are you absolutely sure about that that immediately disqualifies the argument but did you know that it's possible for you and I to attend church every week to hear all the Bible lessons to listen to the sermons and never grow in our spiritual lives we can we can get to a point we can amass the knowledge and we can get to a point that spiritually we plateau 
And we just stop there and we stall out. And I, I realize, I realize, I do realize this in all sincerity that sometimes the sermon is delivered and nothing of real substance is stated. I get, I get that. I understand there are occasions we work hard here for that not to be the case. But more often, though, I believe we can be guilty of listening with an ear that is attuned, that's not attuned to learning and receiving fresh revelation, but rather we're listening for the points that best align with what we already believe. common points of subjectivity when we're viewing the world around us that really need to be challenged are just a few here's a handful I just want to illustrate what I'm talking to you about there there are a few common points that we wrestle with as far as subjectivity and that is I, I would say that one of the greatest arguments that I've ever run into that people come up with these theological constructs around or these ideas about how the world works is number one is how I was raised you ever met somebody and, and you just begin to challenge them with truth and they say, well, that's not how I was raised. You know, that's, that's not my culture. That's not my people. That's, you know, all of that stuff is subjective. It's relative, but there is a truth in the scripture that transcends all things subjective and all things relative, and it is an absolute truth that governs the world, and it is the absolute truth by which your life and mine will be judged in light of eternity. And, and we, can, we can get to these places and, and we just... Listen, in 20 plus years of church ministry, I've never had a new believer come to me with a vehement argument against something that I said. It's always a seasoned church person who comes and their argument against scriptural truth is, well, you know, I've always heard or I've always been taught. And, you know, it's just like this. We're a full gospel Pentecostal church. We believe in the manifestation of spiritual gifts, the active operation of the Holy Spirit in this hour. Do you know there are people who are dismissive of any activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives that would be demonstrative in their lives now because they've always heard or they've always been taught, but they've never taken the time to study the scripture for themselves to see whether or not they disagree whether the gifts of the Spirit are available for them today or not. It's just, it's my tradition. It's what I've always understood. It's how we worship. It's what we've always done. And this is completely anecdotal, but I believe there are a lot of people who hold tightly to certain beliefs or convictions, not because they've searched the Scripture and found them true, but because someone that they revered told them it was so. Another way that we are often subjective in our viewpoints of the world is you know, how we interact emotionally with a certain issue. There, there are certain things that I could say right now, like I could pull your trigger so fast, you, you wouldn't even know what happened. And you would either be so angry with me in an instant or you would be up on your feet screaming and shouting, yes, go pastor, preach it, tell them you're right. Not because I said anything revelatory, not necessarily because I said anything scriptural, but just because I said something that hit you right emotionally. We tend, we tend to shout amen at the points most closely aligned with our closely held convictions, whether they're biblically accurate or not. 
We're, we're often not moved by truth. We're often moved only when somebody can hit a nerve. It's, it's a little something I like to call catchphrase Christianity. There, there are some places, they are, they're not quite ready to gather yet because it's their tradition that this is not the time. Nine o'clock in the morning is not the time when God moves. And in certain places, though, you could, I could walk into certain places this morning and I could whip them in a frenzy in just a little bit with a few phrases and just saying the few key right things. They don't have to be deep. They may not even have to be contextually or theologically correct. They just simply have to hit the nerve of subjectivity. And you all are shouting just about as loud as I thought you were on this message. But I want to tell you something today. You... It, it is imperative for you and I that we grow in our faith. And, and we can't grow in our faith with subjective, half-cocked understanding of biblical truth and kingdom principle that is always subject to the way we feel about it or the confines of our own intellect. There has to be a time when we look into the Word of God and say, you know what, I may not understand it all, but I believe in a God that is bigger than I am that doesn't fit in the constructs of my ideology. And if He said it, I believe that it's forever settled and therefore I receive the word of the Lord as truth in my life it's easy to become like the Pharisees of Jesus day they were so subjective in their own traditional understanding of the law that they lost heart they lost the heart of the law you know somebody somebody got healed on the Sabbath who cares it's the Sabbath that shouldn't happen right as a matter of fact, Jesus said to this crowd of people, he said, these people, well did Isaiah say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we can't grow, we can't mature spiritually with an intellect that knows all the Christianese and all the right churchy things to say, but is far removed from the very heart of God in understanding the truth of the word. Pro processing Processing biblical truth subjectively has a, has a hazard, a terrible, grievous hazard, and that is that processing biblical truth subjectively leads us to places of misapplied truth or the acceptance of half-truths. And how many of you know that a half-truth is a whole lie? And that's the danger of it. And, and here's the thing, we've got to get ourselves out of the equation and all of those all of those subjective points of subjectivity have got to be removed from the equation because not only does that lead us into errant understandings of the word, but processing the information they re that we receive from the world around us subjectively will lead us down a slippery slope of embracing things that are immoral and unholy. I've noticed a pattern in this world. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I've noticed a pattern in this world, and that's this. Sometimes something so vile, so evil, so wicked, and we see the intensity and the frequency of this happening more and more and more often in the world around us, but we see these things that just, like, we're thinking to ourselves, man, if my grandparents could see this, they would flip out. Right? How many of you have seen stuff recently and you're thinking, I honestly can't believe this is the world that I live in. 
Because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not that old, but I can remember a time even when we wouldn't see some of the things that we're seeing today. And it's at an accelerated pace. Well, here's, here's the pattern. The pattern is that these things come out and they're so egregious and it's such an affront, especially to people of faith. Then, then it kind of, we're like, something needs to be done. I demand something be done. And something, something gets done. But what gets done is a compromise on truth. It's not quite as overt. It's not quite as in your face. But it's still immoral. It's still unholy. And we say, well, it's not as bad as. And I'm going to tell you something. There may be some times that you and I just have to look on and say, you know what? It is the end of times. We understand from Jesus himself that the wickedness of this world will accelerate. But even though it accelerates, we don't ever have to be accepting of. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the world around us is doing. We've got a place to stand. We've got a place of truth, a sure foundation, and we're going to build our house there. But something so vile, evil takes place or is introduced there's an outrage do something about it and it seems here's the thing when when it's when when it's left to our subjectivity what's offered then the compromise it seems logical and i hate to tell you this church but your god is not always a god of logic your god is not always a god of logic lord how are we going to defeat jericho well, I tell you what, for six days in a row, I want you to gather everybody up, millions of people, march around the city one time in silence. The seventh day, march around the city seven times, and on the seventh time, everybody shout. And the, That is not logical. That is not strategic at all. I mean, there's no building of a rampart, there's no, there's no amassing of a strategy of military attack, nothing. March around the city, it's illogical. And I'm telling you, sometimes the, the place, the stand of faith will cause us, as a matter of fact, the word says that you are a peculiar people. Different. There are some times that you're going to stand in a place of faith. You may even have to stand in a place of faith according to the word of the Lord when your family and those closest to you don't understand why, but you can say, this is the word of the Lord and this is where I stand. I don't care who's on the next beverage can. I don't care who's on the next campaign. I don't care who, who gets elected in the office next or not. This is where I stand. Pass the bill, adopt the policy, do whatever you need to do. This is where I stand. Sometimes it, you know, the, the compromise that's offered to us by the world, it feels like a fair thing. But it still won't dismiss the fact if it doesn't align with the principles of God's kingdom whose ambassadors we are. And the world placates to our feelings with a lesser of two evils. 
and invites us to accept. But you know if you accept the lesser of two evils, you've still accepted an evil. Right? And this is the pattern. This is the pattern. And in Romans chapter 12, we get this encouragement. It says, I, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the pattern. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, in this verse, there's two calls. There's a call to nonconformity. That when you and I see this junk going on in the world, we never bow our knee to the bale. We never, we never surrender. We never yield the deeply held convictions that are rooted in biblical truth. Because I can tell you something, it's in your face so much in this generation that the temptation is going to be there to say, well, I mean, maybe if you just keep it over there. Maybe if you just get it out of my face a little bit and just keep it over there. I mean, I, we can agree to let you keep it over there. That's not right. That's not our call as a church to be salt and to be light in the perversity of darkness and the generation in which you and I live. It's not our call to just say, well, it's all right if you'll just get it out of my face, if we can sweep it aside, you do whatever you want to. And there's a call to nonconformity, but there's also a call to transformation. And the call to transformation here specifically is that you and I be transformed from leaning on the carnal nature that so readily governs and rules our lives and helps us in the decision-making process and that we, through the study of the Word, the understanding of the character, the understanding of the nature of God, as we sang about earlier, we begin to be transformed from glory to glory, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, into the image of Christ. That means that our understanding of morality, our understanding of how the world works and is supposed to work, our understanding of grace, our understanding of mercy, our understanding of all the principles that we learn about theologically as just ideas, we begin to understand the right application of those things in the world in which you and I live. Because our minds begin to change and the mind of Christ becomes the mind that is in us. And here's the, here's the rub. When we are constantly subjecting the world to our own thoughts and our own external inputs and, and all the things on the periphery, subjectivity aids conformity. Because the world is going to appeal to your sensibilities. It's going to appeal to your logic. It's going to appeal to your emotions. And it's going to feel right. It's going to seem right. It's going to look kind of right. And as long as we're leaning on the arm of flesh, we're going to be leaning in subjectivity and we're going to be leaning towards error and we're going to be leaning towards conformity. Flip that coin, 
And while subjectivity lends itself to conformity, it also resists transformation. Because there are times when you and I look into the word of the Lord, if we're not completely surrendered and yielded to thus says the Lord, then we're going to look on at the principles of the scripture and we're going to say, man, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand, God, why you... Listen, let me just, let me help you. Let me help you if you've ever been to church and you've ever struggled. I'm not saying that you have to just accept everything you hear because oftentimes understand that the person you're hearing it from is a marred vessel of clay with the opportunity of getting it wrong and mixing it up and getting it twisted. You need to be like the men of Berea who heard the word, they received it, but they went back and searched the scripture to see if the things that they had heard were so. But not just because Steve said so, but because the word of the Lord says so, sometimes we have to just be at a place of surrender and say, God, you know what? I don't even pretend to be the end all of human wisdom, but I know that your ways are higher than my ways, and if you said it, I receive it in my life as the sure and certain thing. And subjectivity resists transformation because it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't appeal to our emotions. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't... Life rule 101, life is not fair. And here's the thing, subjectivity puts my thoughts and my feelings in the driver's seat and thoughts and feelings change. Thoughts and feelings are also misguided liars and thoughts and feelings are the least credible witnesses as to the dynamics of a situation. And when subjectivity is the driving factor in my life, I will be misguided by lies and I will be unformed by truth. I hope you're taking this in. I, I really do. I, I hope you're not sitting there just going, I've heard this one before. I hope that you are taking this in today because the adversary, your adversary, the devil, is going about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour in this generation. And it's not going to be the people who are governed by subjective thought and feeling that are going to be able to withstand in this generation. It's going to be the people whose lives are firmly built on the word of the Lord. As a matter of fact, the, there's a call to sobriety and vigilance in the, in the Scripture, and I'm hastening to a close here at this point. But in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the, Peter uh, warns the church and says, Be alert and be of sober mind. Because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And there is, I believe, a woeful and willful lack of environmental awareness on the part of a lot of believers. As a matter of fact, I believe there are a lot of believers who have default agreements with the kingdom of darkness. 
It's not necessarily an act of their volition, and if you ask them, they'd say, oh, no, I, I would never do that. But I'm telling you, there are default agreements made by a lot of believers between themselves and the kingdom of darkness because they have no vigilance of environmental awareness. Like, when you allow things into your home that are contrary to the principles of the kingdom, when you allow things into your eye gate that are contrary to the truth of the word, when you allow things into your ear gate that are contrary, when you and I engage in conversation that is unholy, there is a default alliance with the kingdom of darkness. That's heavy stuff, I know that, but it's, it's the reality of it, and it's why oftentimes churches are plateaued and have ceased to grow and ceased to reach the community because we can't, a house divided against itself will fall, it cannot stand. We've got to be sold out to the kingdom, and the kingdom has to govern our lives, not the way we think about it, not the way we feel about it, not what somebody else said about it, but what did God say about it, and we search that out, and we get in alignment with that. Listen, I just want to tell you this. I, I, just, I recently had this experience, and I, I'm just, I'm observant. My wife will tell you everywhere we go, I read every sign I see. We're driving through the strip mall. I'm Highway 55, Harris Teeter, you know, we're just, we're moving through, you know. And when I'm traveling down the highway, I read all the billboards. And I've got to tell you, something triggered in me when I saw a billboard, and, and listen, I'm teaching principle today. I'm not, I'm not being specific because there's an old proverb that says if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for the day. If you teach him how to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. So I'm, I'm not here to spoon feed to you today what's right and wrong. I'm here to give you a principle by which you can gauge the things that you're taking in in this world. And I, I began to see this one billboard with a recurring theme over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, five, six billboards in a row was this same message over and over and over. I said, this is, this is unusual. Why the overt, just, there it is in front of you. And it had to do with, I'll just say it had to do with emotional well-being. And down at the bottom, it had a phone number for you to call. And that's great, but you know there's an antichrist spirit that's already active in this world that wants you to have a reliance on anything in this world except Jesus. But the prophet Isaiah said, and he shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God and the Prince of Peace I said now I understand we don't need a phone number to find peace we need a prayer line we don't need a phone number to find peace we need a prayer language we don't, we don't need a phone number to find emotional and mental well-being and stability. We need to get on our knees before God and pray through all of the junk that we face until we get a hold of heaven and there's a fresh oil of the Holy Spirit flowing over our lives.
Why do they start radio campaigns in the wake of illness anymore? Telling you when you need to do this and how you need to do that and what you... Be sober and be vigilant. Because I'm telling you, there's a, there's a devil in this world that is real and he's trying to disconnect you from your power source. And when you see things happening in the wake of world events that you've never seen before, you need to ask yourself why. Why am I seeing this? Listen, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not going to define right and wrong in this moment. I'm going to expound principle. But there are lots of jacked up people, believers specifically, whose values and belief systems are out of line with the kingdom because they've taken in what has been presented to them without exercising any degree of thought for themselves. And my aim today is to teach a principle and give you the tools so that you'll be able to live a victorious life, a godly life, a life that honors God even in this particular generation and that you will, as Paul states, live a life that is worthy of your calling. And there's a necessity for you and I in this generation that, an, that a standard be established in our lives. Your standard cannot be, well, I feel like, or it seems to me. If you want a steady, stable, consistently thriving life, you will have to have a concrete and absolute standard that serves as the guide for your life. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, I want to suggest to you a guide. And he said to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I want to submit to you today, church, that what was good for Timothy in the first century is good for you and I today because the law of God that has governed since creation is the law of God that will govern in the end when every man will stand and present himself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to invite you to adopt a standard that everything that we see in this world would come through the grid of Scripture and His truth as a matter of fact, the psalmist wrote and said, and I want to invite you all to stand. He said, Lord, I will seek you with all my heart and do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Often, you know, we get drawn into folly because we get pulled onto sides. What matters what matters at the end of the day, though, is not your political affiliation, not your nationality, not even your race. But the question at the end of it all is, did your life honor God? This was the psalmist's concern. It should be our concern. Make no mistake, this is a message about seeing things as God sees them. Not not the way that we feel God sees them, not the way that we think God should see them, not the way that secular culture has taught us that God sees them, but how did God reveal to us that He sees things?
And the way that God revealed truth is the truth that should govern our lives. Amen? I want to submit to you finally, every head bowed and every eye closed. That if you're in this place today and you've been struggling with wayfinding in this life, you're watching online, and you've just been struggling to find direction, can I tell you today that there's another standard that's presented to us in the Word. It's how to live forever and how to have eternal life. And it doesn't come by being a good person. It doesn't come because we've earned anything in particular. Jesus makes it clear when he says there's but one way to the Father and that through me. So today if the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart If there's a sense of urgency down in your spirit, I say to you that today is the day of salvation. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.